You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. In March this year, the government announced a special Ukrainian policy that allowed Ukrainian New Zealanders to sponsor family members to come here. However, the policy has not been as successful as people hoped, as visa recipients are struggling to set up new lives here, and has even led to some returning home. I spoke to Kate Tursko from the organisation Mahi for Ukraine about what has happened to Ukrainians who arrived here and how New Zealanders can help them. How successful has the Ukrainian special visa been? So far, it hasn't been very successful in a sense that it's been estimated that it could bring around 4,000 Ukrainians and we only had under 400 arrive um, into the country. Why do you think so few people have taken up the offer? I mean, there's a number of reasons, obviously, and we have surveyed a Ukrainian community in New Zealand a number of months back, but uh, and it's a little old now in terms of the data, but we constantly talk to the community and the same themes are coming through. So what have come out from that survey was that people, financial and legal barriers. So as far as the legal barriers goes, is because of the current criteria for eligibility of those who can sponsor and those who can be sponsored are very narrow. And then from the financial barriers, it's just simply that not a lot of people feel like they will be able to support because all of the support is entirely up to sponsors, including the the ability to actually fly their family here and then to all living expenses need to be on them. So a lot of people are finding it very hard with the current cost of living, etc. And then there's also uh, some proportion of Ukrainians who have who are not able to leave Ukraine at the moment, um, males under 60, for example. There have been some stories saying that the Ukrainians are going back because they're finding life in New Zealand so difficult. Is that correct? Yes, there's definitely been a few instances. Um, We are aware of a number of those. What we hear from the community is basically when they've come here, uh, obviously some people have different levels of English, English language ability, some people have different financial situation, and having been here for a couple of months and not having a lot of success in finding employment and finding it very hard to be a burden to their family, some have made that decision um, to return. What are some of the stories that you've heard? The stories were really around just individual circumstances, I guess, so especially for the elderly. So when you look at parents, which in our case, a lot of the people who were brought were uh, parents or grandparents. So when you look at this particular visa, it's a work visa. And when you bring in your elderly family members, it's let's be realistic, it's not going to be easy for them to find employment, if at all. And so that means that they're left to feel like they're a burden to their children. And I think in some instances, not a lot of people can deal with that. It is. It, it then just comes down to, I guess, their children's ability to provide. And it depends on how many family members have joined this particular household. So it's creating pressure on the Kiwi households who have brought their family members. And, and in those cases that we heard, it was literally a fact of elderly parents not able to deal with that. Do you think the government has dropped the ball on this visa promise? Well, I mean, the government doesn't really have... What we hear from the government is, yes, we do have a constructive dialogue with them around what can be done, etc., but they're not necessarily willing and open to make a lot of changes in respect to the eligibility criteria or the financial support piece. And what they talk about is setting a precedent and not wanting to create some kind of inequalities, etc. But if we look at 
to sit in the president piece. I kind of have always wanted to ask, why don't we want to sell president? We can see the government constantly failing in transnational humanitarian programs and refugees because the process response to crisis that we have isn't great. So why don't we actually come up with a way that's effective and that's workable, where we're really supporting those who we tend to support in a meaningful way? And in this case, I don't necessarily know how much, how supported these people feel. I mean, I feel like they're feeling pretty unsupported. What more could the government be doing? Well, because coming back to, I guess, that whole piece around the barriers, like I said, in terms of there are two bigger categories, one being the legal criteria and one being the financial piece. So in the legal space, there could be widened enough criteria in terms of, because we actually do have some people who are able to sponsor their family, but currently are not falling into and into the eligibility criteria. So we could look at widening that and enable those who are willing and able to sponsor, to sponsor their family. And then on the flip side, in terms of the financial support and refugee settlement, we could look at socialization programs. We could look at access to services. We aren't necessarily talking about awarding them the refugee cares because currently the government's indicated that it's not the plan. But at the very least, there could be a number of programs and services that the government could open um, access to for these families to make it easier on their Kiwi families as well. I guess, you know, one of the main priorities for the Minister of Immigration is improving the well-being of New Zealanders and their families and creating an international reputation we can be proud of. And instead, we're putting huge hearts on families. These families who are taking in their Ukrainian final. What kind of work does Mahi for Ukraine do? Uh, Mahi for Ukraine is a cause. So it's a volunteer group centred around the cause of helping Ukrainian people in whichever way we can. And we generally are focused on advocacy work. And it's advocacy around humanitarian aid, immigration, public relations and sanctions. And we also currently... We have established a Ukrainian refugee relocation trust where we try and find ways specifically to help resettle these newcomers because there is currently no support from the government, so we're doing our own fundraising efforts. What are some of the steps New Zealanders can take to help Ukrainians here and in Ukraine as well? Well, Mahi for Ukraine actually has a website, and mahiforukraine.com. And on that website, we have outlined a number of ways New Zealanders can engage. We have a help and donate page, and we've listed a number of verified initiatives, both local here in New Zealand and global initiatives, as well as Ukrainian ones. So if people feeling generous and can donate either to the refugees here in New Zealand or um, anywhere misplaced persons in Ukraine, there's a number of resources we list. Kiwis can choose to write to their local MP with some questions around or suggestions around how we can help. That tends tends to do well. So we've also provided instructions on how people potentially might be able to do that. We've offered a page with a number of resources. So, you know, if, if people wanted to help spread the word and inspire more Kiwis to take action and stand with Ukraine, build awareness. We have a number of resources that people can read and share as well. And, of course, we have a petition currently as well, which is not in the immigration humanitarian space, but it's around declaring Russia a terrorist state. So that petition is also on our website and people could check it out and potentially sign and share that too. That was Kate Turska from Mahi for Ukraine talking about the Ukraine special visa. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.